0: Hi, I'm Matt Ward, and welcome to Episode 5 of the Running Industry Podcast.
1: But I do know, you know, from a product standpoint that, you know, technology, innovation is going to be really important. Uh, Nike totally changed the game with that. Adidas, Saucony, Dell followed suit, and uh, we're just going to see the importance of, of technology and shoes and, and that message to the consumer.
0: yep this is the podcast that speaks to brand owners startups marketeers and creatives from the running industry along with key figures thought leaders and people who we think have something great to say the first four episodes have flown by and the reaction and feedback has been brilliant so if you keep listening we'll keep making the podcast Remember, you can catch up with all the episodes via the website runningindustrypodcast.com and follow us on social media via Run Industry. And of course, catch every episode as it's released by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. So if you have a bit of a thing for running shoes, then you're going to love this week's episode as we talk to Global Product Line Manager for Trail Running Footwear at Salomon mike ambrose
1: at zagama last year which is a marathon in in the best country of spain we brought seven prototypes to test with some of our athletes and they were all a little bit different and we, we spent a day with them the day before and they were testing them to see what they wanted to try for the race and uh two of our athletes finished the race but the shoes were destroyed and uh they were totally ripped apart and we like grabbed them off their feet, put them in a bag. We're like, we don't want anyone to see these things. But, um, but we learned from that.
0: Thanks so much to Mike for taking the time to chat. And without further ado, let's crack on with this week's show.
2: So with me today is Mike Ambrose, the product line manager for trail running at Salomon. Mike, great to speak to you. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to speak with you.
2: So Mike, why don't we just start with you introducing yourself to our listeners and a
1: little bit about your background and how you got to your role at Salomon today. Yeah, I'd love to. So um, like you said, my name is Mike Ambrose. I am the product line manager for trail running at Salomon. Uh, I've been with Salomon for just over five years, uh, I've been in my current role uh, at the Solomon headquarters in NC, France for about a year and a half. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a great ride with Solomon. I, I've been really lucky to have had a lot of opportunities, a lot of open doors, and and I, I've taken them, and they've been really, really fulfilling and rewarding. So, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great career. And uh, you know, I kind of got into the trail running industry just by uh, working in a running store and being really passionate about the sport and getting out on the trails every single day and, and living, you know, living the sport and living in the trail running community. So it's, it's been a great continuation of that. And I feel really fortunate to be, uh, you know, right here in the Alps of, of France. So, uh, yeah, it's been really, really wonderful.
2: And where was your history in, in a running store and, uh, prior to you coming to, uh, France and to Salomon?
1: Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm American. So I grew up, um, I grew up on the East coast actually, and then moved to, uh, Colorado, um, shortly after I finished university. So, uh, my running store and, and kind of my trail running origins really started in, in Colorado, I would say, um, which is actually the reason I moved to Colorado was to trail run and and to be in the mountains. So yeah, everything started in Colorado. I was working at a really cool shop in Breckenridge. And yeah, I've always been a big fan of Solomon, really passionate about the brand and really inspired by the athletes. It's kind of funny the athletes that I work with now on a lot of <laughs> on a lot of projects. But um, yes, yeah, so I was working at a running store there and you know, one opportunity led to the, the next and I started as a technical rep, uh, tech rep for Salomon, actually back on the east coast of, of the US. So uh, that was that was kind of my entrance uh, into Salomon and in the trail running professional world.
2: And you talk to me now from Annecy, the home of Salomon. Obviously, you live there, close by to the uh, Annecy uh, Design Center. After moving out of there. What kind of made that change happen? Cause it's quite a, you know, I would say it was a reasonably big move, isn't it? To kind of go, okay, I'm in a great lifestyle out in Colorado, living the dream. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to up sticks and I'm going to move to Europe.
1: So I have a really supportive wife. So I've to first see that. <laughs> yeah. um, and a really, really great support system. But uh, prior to coming here, so we backtrack again, uh, I was the North American uh, marketing manager for Solomon. So I was, uh, mainly in charge of of running a little bit of Nordic skiing, but the focus was running. And um, I, you know, I have just been coming over here for meetings and, you know, really just building a lot of relationship with, with the global team. And uh, I've been really passionate, obviously about trail running and, and ultimately footwear. And it was just, you know, I think just the stars aligned and the right opportunity opened up and the right people knew me. And I, you know, communicated on some level with uh, Mm -hmm. with the global team here and, they just felt that it would be a really good fit to uh, keep me in Solomon and, and to bring me onto the product side of things as opposed to the pure brand marketing side, you know, sports marketing, um, that, that area of it. So, uh, you know, it was just kind of one thing led to another. I was actually in a sales, a global sales meeting in Spain. And um, my first boss over here, she approached me. was like, Hey, I heard you love trail running shoes and you love Solomon and you love trail running and uh, you have a lot of good ideas for the future. And, you know, I was flattered for sure. And you know, one thing led to another and, I called my wife like right afterwards, I was like, hey, how do you feel about moving to France? She's like, Yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> and uh <laughs> why not? I I'm making it sound a little bit more simple than it than it really is to you know to to move from the US to uh to Europe. But it took about six months and you know, I arrived here in March of twenty nineteen.
2: Sounds like a great move and uh life is all about dreams, right? And it <laughs> sounded like you were like to say the stars were aligned and uh it was meant to be, by the sounds of it, Mike. Um, so you're out there right now in, in Annecy. Um, how is it out there? Because I've been to Annecy a couple of times. Well, I've been to Annecy a number of times, but a couple of times on a leisure tip, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And this time of year is stunning out there with Lake Annecy. Um, yeah, how's, uh, how's it looking for your leisure time as well, well now
1: you're out in France? It's been, it's been really amazing. We had a, a really great summer you know, um, we were in a lot of the same situation, I think, with the rest of the world with, you know, quarantines, lockdowns, confinement type uh, setup. So we had actually a pretty strict lockdown for two months and uh, it ended around middle of May, three quarters of the way through May. And, you know, we were just really lucky to get outside and it just kind of um, it made you really re-appreciate, um, you know where you live and what you can do with your, your body in the mountains. So actually, I was working from home for about a month and a half after and my wife and I moved up to Chamonix for... Uh, for that month and a half and it's only about an hour away. So but it was just it was kind of like the, the best start to a summer at post confinement. And yeah, it's just been really great. We're just really grateful to to be here and it's such a beautiful place to be set the lake and, and all the beautiful mountains. So um it's been yeah, it's been a heck of a summer and um this fall's shaping up to be great as well. So
2: Yeah. I, I can think of worse Places to be in a lockdown as we call it here in the UK or a quarantine as you say out there but obviously France was it was affected by heavily by coronavirus as many countries around um, the world have been um, how did the work-life Kind of balance out because in the UK, and I'm not sure exactly how it is around the rest of the world, but in the UK, we have this thing called furlough, where people are told to kind of stay home, still work, still not work for a while, and then when they're asked to work, they kind of work from home, don't go into the office, etc. With Salomon being, let's say, um, you know, a manufacturing company and very much hands-on R and D, all of that, how did it work out, and how is it panning out now in life, almost post COVID?
1: Yeah, jumping into it was right after um, our big, big series of meetings that lead into development, and we were just starting to talk about tiers in advance. So this is back in end of February, early March, mm-hmm. and we just had those in person meetings in the office, and everything was just starting to kind of shape up globally uh, with the with the virus and how it was affecting regions. And uh, Annecy was actually one of the first places uh, outside of Italy in Europe to really have a little cluster. So. Uh, Solomon was pretty responsive to that, and and I remember my boss saying like, okay, you're going to go home. It was a Friday, and, and he's like, when you come back Monday, like, or he's like, when you when you go to work Monday, you're going to be at home. So I was pretty quick, and we just went totally uh, work from home for for a couple of weeks, and it was challenging because you know we just left these development meetings, so the designers are going to start working on on um, their initial drawings, and the prototype teams are starting to come together with you know making products. So. Uh, there was exceptions for some of those people to to be in the office for a limited amount of time uh, during certain time slots. but uh, you know it was it was a really big challenge because i mean it it's been it's never been done before, and mm. you know everything is like you said really hands on it's a lot of a lot of prototype making, a lot of manufacturing. but you know looking like we just received samples for this this time period that I'm speaking of, like physical samples and we're like wow! Like we we did this during we you know we we created these beautiful products for you know 2022 uh, all from home and wow we were it was actually a really really cool moment because it just showed how it dedicated everyone was and how passionate everyone was and uh, even though we weren't you know physically with each other just the communication was great the work ethic never stopped and uh, it's been a, it's yeah it's been a really great uh, great process see I mean obviously it's unfortunate but. um, yeah, it was it was it was tough. You know, we were working from home for two months, and um, we're we're now back to part time work and in the office, and it definitely uh, definitely feels good.
2: Yeah, and it, it's interesting, isn't it, Mike? Because if this was ten, at least uh, maybe ten to twenty years ago, this just wouldn't have happened, would it? Because you know the incre- the increase or the improvement in tech, the improvement in communication systems, uh, the fact that we can all almost kind of communicate like you and I are doing right now, um, very easily and develop things. Um, you know, that wouldn't have happened in the past because, you know, pre internet and pre all of that, you know, a lockdown would have just meant literally for these businesses, such as Salomon, a lockdown. Sure.
1: Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool to see, you know, shortly into lockdown, starting to see some initial drawings from the design team and 3d images and, wow, this is, this is pretty sharp. It's pretty cool.
2: We will talk a little bit more about your role day-to-day, um, your focus and what sort of exciting things you're going to be working on or you are working on over um, the current months and into the future. Just talk us through Salomon a little bit more. Um, for those people who do or don't know Salomon, um, perhaps how it fits into the industry, um, its brand focus, um, its DNA, as it were, which obviously is in trail and now moving towards uh, a, a very significant, um, move into the road aspect of running. Um, just talk us through how Salomon actually works and how you fit into that system.
1: Yeah. So I think I'll, i have to touch on the history a little bit. Um, it started in 1947 here in NC France. Um, George Salomon was, was manufacturing, uh, uh, the first skis with with edges so basically attaching saw blades to skis um and really pushing innovation and ski that way and over the course of you know of solomon's history there's been uh, alpine boot innovation nordic boot innovation nordic ski innovation um, and then into the i guess the early 90s is when the first footwear Prototypes for hiking and outdoor started to come around. There was some dabbling in, in rollerblading and in surfing and action sports that was a focus. There was uh, ski cross type uh, products as well. Um, snowboard came around, and then uh, in the early two thousands is when footwear started to become a really big focus uh, for the brand. And actually, we were co owned with Adidas at the time, so I think we really uh, leveraged a lot of Adidas's innovation and footwear design mm-hmm. um, at the time, but. You know, Solomon's always been rooted in innovation, pushing boundaries, and you know how can we how can we progress sport, not just you know, just products, but actual sport. And I, th- I think that's pretty um, is, is pretty visible if you look at how our athletes are are participating in, in their respective sports. But um, so now, you know, flash you know, flash forward to twenty twenty, um, you know, footwear still is a really big priority for us, especially uh, trail running, and and now getting into road running. And, and my job is to basically oversee the trail running uh, product range. So um, I see everything from the consumer insight that could lead to a new idea for a product to working with designers, development, uh, costing patterns, testing, brand marketing, and really working with all these areas to bring a product to life. Uh, we're usually thinking about anywhere from a year to two to three years in advance on products, uh, depending on... Uh, what we think they you know, the, the attention they need, or the idea, or how how you know how big something really is. Uh, but my job is to is to see an idea or think of an idea or work with a, a consumer you know, insight of some sort or an athlete need and and bring it to life. Uh, working with all these different teams.
2: And for people interested in specifically in trail running, um, they will hopefully know that Salomon is very focused as well on developing products through almost prototype work through athletes, right? So, you know, whether it's, um, you know, some of the most prominent, more prominent um, athletes out there, Kylian Jornet, Francois Dehane, and in the past with Anna Frost and Emily Forsberg, of course, these athletes are so important to what you do, right? In your testing, R&D, feedback, um, it's really meticulous in what you do in that respect.
1: For sure. My, my third story to tell is actually, and it's actually a story that uh, really attracted me to Solomon and was in 20 2010 Western States when Killian came over to, to run Western States, 100, which is a hundred mile uh, foot race in California. And, and he was this up and coming superstar in trail running had won the ultra trail Mont Blanc, uh, which is another hundred mile foot race out here. Uh, he won it two or three times by this point. He was really this international sensation comes out to California and uh, gets, I think third, third, third or fourth, he gets third place behind, uh, Jeff Rose and, and Tony Karpichka. And yeah, I remember it well. <laughs> and, uh, one of his super
2: hot, if I remember as well, it was boiling hot. And, uh, yeah, that was a memorable race.
1: Super hot. Didn't bring water with him. Um, he also realized how runnable the trails are, uh, out West in the American West. They're not very rocky either. They're quite smooth. Um, you know, it still gains like five or 6,000 meters of of climbing and he called it flat. And, um, but I mean, if you come out to here you can realize, you know, it's, it's, it does feel flat for sure compared to the trails and in, in the Alps here. But,
0: mm. uh,
1: the day after the race, uh, the team, the product team was kind of debriefing with them. Like what's going on? Like what can we improve? And he's like, my, my footwear is, it's too heavy. It's, it's too overbuilt. It's not for these types of trails. And, um, the team here basically had 364 days to make him a shoe for next year. And they, and they launched the S lab sense. And, the SLF sense, I mean, was totally revolutionary at the time. Um, super lightweight, low drop, and and then Killing went back 364 days later and, and won the Western States 100 in the SLF sense. And uh, that just kind of shows, like, how involved the team is, how, um, how committed they are to athlete feedback, and how much athletes are uh, – are it's a two-way street, and how much they are uh, providing input to us. So, yeah, that's – I mean, that's a pretty, pretty cool thing to, to create a shoe in a year to – such as, you know – certain specifications to such a, sp- a specific athlete
2: it sure is yeah pretty cool and, and i think that these days that kind of feedback that that almost ecosystem of having an athlete testing products feeding back making it better is just natural to so many brands now certainly within the running industry um you know you can look at Eli kipchoge with the uh, alpha fly you know you can look at l- lots of other brands within the run industry where they've Athletes have been pretty key in making products not only come to light, but also making them better and for the consumers, right?
1: For sure. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty it's got to be pretty cool if you're Nike or Elliot or the product team there to see just how many people are wearing Nike paper flies now. I mean, at these in these marathons, you know, front of the pack, back of the pack. Um, it's it's got to be pretty cool to see that idea and how it's really captivated the consumer and the sport.
2: And your role in the Salomon product development team and the production, whether it's trail road um, or whether it's ski, how does it kind of work from a day to day basis with a product line manager? Because for those listeners who maybe aren't okay with the way that a brand would work and how people would fit into um, almost an infrastructure of of a brand, how does it work for you day to day and in terms of when you go in the morning and what you're trying to achieve in that day?
1: Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Uh, you know, it depends on, excuse me, uh, it depends on the, the time of time of year and what we're preparing for. So we're, we're typically living in multiple seasons. So of course we're worried about you know, what's happening now in the marketplace because we're gaining that feedback to, to help improve products. But we're also in development cycles that can be up to three years in advance. Wow. So it, it kind of depends on the time of year. So this time of year, um, we're working on preparing for uh, kind of global sales meetings for 2021, but we're also in the 2022 development cycle and we're planning for 2023 and 2024. So it really depends. You know, it can be, you know, you go in and, on a you know, say 8, 8.30 and you're in a meeting at nine and you're talking about the the testing process for a product that you're working on. Um, you know, use an example for a product we, coming, we have coming out uh, next June. Uh, maybe it's getting feedback from Max King, for example, or feedback from a group of testers, uh, from the U.S. or from uh, here in Chamonix. And you know mm-hmm. we have to make some decisions on how we want to steer the product. So the development team is in there too. And they're like, well, we could try this. And okay, let's launch a prototype and get that out by next Monday. So it could be a meeting like that. It could be a costing meeting where we're looking at you know, how much each piece of the product costs. It could be a meeting with our sports marketing team and saying, okay, Courtney Dewalter, we want her in this shoe for this activation. And uh, we need... Know this type of product, or we want to test it with her. Can she wear this shoe at at this race? So it could be something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be just sitting with a designer having coffee and just walking me through, okay, the inspiration that it doesn't match the brief. Uh, it could be, yeah, it could be a lot of different things like that. So, uh, the one cool thing about the office is it's very open and everyone's constantly uh flowing, it's not cubicled off. Uh, there's just a really great flow of people and. You know, if I have an idea, I can walk over to design and be like, "Hey, have we ever thought about this?" Or you know, check out we used to do it here, and what if we cut this and we do this and check out this photo I saw on Instagram this morning of of this person doing this. So it's it's really fluid and it's uh, really open.
2: I'm lucky enough to have been to ADC to to Annecy, to Salomon and to be to I've been into the S Lab area and to the clothing area and to the footwear area. Cool. <laughs> As an example, in the world of product development, you know, James Dyson was said to have made something like 5,000 prototypes before he actually hit on eventually the Cyclone vacuum cleaner. Now, I know that obviously you wouldn't have the luxury to go through 5,000 prototypes at Salomon. I fully understand that. However, there must be quite a lot of, um, for want of a better word, failures that then become a success in the end because presumably you don't get it right first time.
1: No, it's funny. You say 5,000, that's a lot of prototypes. Um, I think it was just incremental as they went as well.
2: I don't think it was just all one at a time, but yeah, that is a lot.
1: You know, I think um, when working with Francois, this is before my current role, but I think working on the S-Lab Ultra, they went through over 70 or 80 prototypes, which maybe by scale is is, is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny you brought up failure. I think I can talk about this now, but at Zagama last year, which is a uh, marathon and... and uh, best country of spain we brought seven prototypes to test with some of our athletes and they were all a little bit different and we we spent a day with them the day before and they were testing them to see what they wanted to try for the race and uh two of our athletes finished the race but the shoes were destroyed and uh they were totally ripped apart and we like grabbed them off their feet put them in a bag we're like we don't want anyone to see these things <laughs> but um, but we learned from that uh pretty quickly that we needed to add some reinforcement around the side and I mean we thought it was like total fit, we're like crap. You know what are we going to do? And then, uh, luckily, our designers like, oh, I'll just add some add some reinforcement here, and, and it turned out to be to be great. And uh, the products in the market now, and it's it's super durable and it's it's performing. But uh, it was my yeah one of my first first trips too, and I was like, oh, geez, this is terrible. These you know the athletes are going to be so upset. And they were they were super cool. They're like, no, we're happy to happy to contribute. This is why we test. This is why you guys are here. So it was it was pretty cool.
2: And I think these days as well, that almost a fallibility of a product is a bit more accepted, isn't it? Because I mean, anyone who is into Formula One, for instance, may well have seen um British racing driver Lewis Hamilton at the British Grand Prix. His tire just exploded on the last lap. I don't know if you if you ever if you saw that. Hmm. But the way that they turn that around was that okay, it's an opportunity to improve or to show how a product can actually be developed and be better, as opposed to Oh my goodness, these tires are rubbish. You know, it was almost that attitude, which I think is pretty prevalent now, isn't it, in the world of products where you're gonna fail some point and you're gonna produce something that doesn't work. However, if you learn from that and keep developing, you'll get there.
1: Yeah, you know, that's that's actually really good really good advice too. I have to keep that in mind because yeah, sometimes you're right. Like it could be really frustrating when when things aren't going your way, but um yeah that's actually i mean that's a good reminder too as as we're working on some of these future products for for 2022 and beyond uh, that yeah there's always there's always new opportunities and uh yeah that's great advice i'll definitely take that with me (laughs) in the next couple weeks you're welcome
0: you're listening to the running industry podcast with me matt ward and this week's guest mike ambrose Hope you're enjoying the show. And remember, if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to our Patreon page and pledge some support, which would be fantastic. The links are in the show notes. And you can also find out a whole lot more about the podcast at our dedicated website, runningindustrypodcast.com. For now, though, back to Mike and on with the show. I'm also interested in how a product makes it to market, Mike,
2: as well. Um, And I'm sure a lot of the listeners are, because you know, a shoe that arrives on market, maybe you say this time of year, you've got to rewind a whole bunch of months and years, right? To actually see how it gets to the consumer's hands.
0: Just talk us through that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I, I think every company's a little different. Um, I think it could be anywhere from a one year if a company is really fast and you know, has all their ducks in a row and yeah, stars align again. And I think they could get something out a year, but I I think it's, it's pretty standard that there's 18 months to two years of, of development. So if you're usually, yeah, I guess, you know, we think of everything, actually, we probably go forwards where we have a series of gates and checkpoints along the way to, to the finish line. Um, Everyone probably does it a little different, but uh, really we try to kick it off with, you know, about two years in advance, just to make sure we have enough time. Um, Unless again, it's a special project or something that needs to go longer or shorter, but uh, yeah, we, it it really just starts with, with ideas, designing uh, development, prototyping, and then a a series of samples and the samples are when you really start to see it take shape. So we'll start to get a sample about a year, a year and a half out. Uh, We'll start to see things starting to come to life and, that's it's good when they start to develop in a good way because you have a lot of time to really fine-tune things if things aren't going exactly as you planned you still have time to, to either either cancel it uh, redo it uh, stop you know you have some options uh, there but yeah it's because it's design it's development its prototypes and then samples and then rigorous testing I'm sure I'm sure you know a lot of companies are like Solomon, but we, we test it we tested a lot of different um, stages of, of the development process at, at a very, very high standard. So um, yeah, we, we're, we're always having check-ins and, you know, but as you're, but as you're bringing a your product to life, you have to make sure that uh, the commercial teams, so the, the local markets are, you know, keeping up with you at the same speed that they're ready to anticipate the product launch the product that the brand team is working on their campaigns, their storytelling, you know, now it's so, it's so visible with, with Instagram, but you know, if you were to see uh Solomon Sense ride three Instagram story, you know, that's been, that's been baking for two years. Mm. Um, you know, the team's been working on that, um, trying to get early uh, samples for photos and beauty shots that, that they're ultimately sharing now. So it's funny what's in the market now I saw in my old role two years ago uh, in the first rounds of development. So it can be, it can be a really thorough, thorough, long process.
2: Yeah. It must be difficult sometimes when somebody's asking you a question about the new Speedcross 5 and you're like, nah, hang on. I've got Speedcross number whatever in my head at the moment in my day-to-day work. And they're talking about something I was working on two years ago. Okay. So it must be quite difficult sometimes to rewind, no doubt. So can you give us a little bit of insight as to what you're working on? This is your opportunity now, Mike, to give us a couple of uh, undercover nuggets, as it were. Um, What Type of shoe you're working on right now in Annecy?
1: Yeah, so as much as that I, that I can talk about, uh, we're we're right now putting together the last little details of a really cool, exciting new shoe that's going to be coming out next next June. Uh, something totally new for Solomon um, that we're really proud of because it's been asked from us for a long time, and and we're going to be able to, yeah, really really come with a exciting product. Uh, for, for ultra distance running. So that's about as as far as I can go. Um, probably the next three to four months, you'll see it being teased and testing. I wish I could tell you more, but a really, really cool new uh, ultra distance running product for uh, for next year. And then uh, the uh, Killian shoe that he wore at, at Sears and All last year, where he broke the course record, that'll come out in January. So uh, that's pretty much done. Uh, still some minor, minor tweaks to that, but that'll, that'll become available in January, which we're really excited about because it's, I've, I've been lucky to test a pair. And it, it's a truly phenomenal shoe. We can see how Killian broke a record.
2: Is that the, is that the code name, Mike Killian shoe? Or is there, a, <laughs> is there a name? I'm presuming if it's coming out in January, you've got a name for it by now.
1: Yeah, it'll be called the Pulsar. So the Solomon S. Lab Pulsar uh, is, is the new, um, I wouldn't say it's the new Killian shoe, but it's the shoe that Killian wore at Sears and all. Uh, it was a white, whitish gray looking shoe right so that's super cool um and then you know i think there's a lot of trends that if your listeners know that are that are happening and and running solomon's definitely investigating those and and just seeing how we can continue to to have the best products on the market but i can't i can't dive in too much but i'll tell you that the the new Killian shoe the new sl pulsar is going to be it's going to be be it's going to be a rocket ship it's going to be really cool
2: Awesome. And then there's something big coming next June for ultra runners. How about, um, in the UK, we've got quite a lot of fell runners. It's a big sport where you need a lot of grip, pretty muddy. It's pretty, uh, gloopy. And especially at this time of year going into the, uh, uh, autumn. Sure. And what can you tell us about shoes with a lot of grip now? Presumably you're working on shoes across the whole of the trail sector, right? Mike, so you're going from fast shoes for Killian right through to an ultra shoot right the way through to something with grip. I know that the new wild cross came out this year. How's that sector going for the Salomon brand?
1: Yeah. So crosses, um, is a really big part of our DNA. So, uh, the speed cross is what started it all back in, I think it was 2008 or 2009. And it was our actually very much a, a, a fell running Walsh inspired type shoe. right? It was, um, big lugs, grippy, uh, narrow, Uh, Just really, really nice fit and fit and grip really is what that shoe is about. And we've evolved that. And along the way, we've had other versions of cross shoes. You know, we had a a felt cross, felt razor, um, uh, various forms of the speed cross. But we know that uh, when we just kind of, when we stick to grip and we do it the way we know how uh, it performs really well. So we've we've been updating the speed cross and we just launched wild cross, which is a totally new uh, lug geometry for us, which is. Performing extremely well in, in mud and, and steep conditions. Uh, but we, we know that we want to continue to evolve that and, and and uh really make sure we have a shoe for for all trail running. So uh sticking with cross, we'll we'll update the wild cross for um fall 21. So sorry, I have to remember what year this is. So uh, a year from <laughs> now you'll 20. see yeah, you'll it, you'll see an update on that shoe, um which is already performing really well, and we're excited to update it. Um small tweaks to make it even better. And yeah, so the the fell running scene is definitely uh, something that we're we're looking at as a really big source of inspiration and a great testing and uh, playground for us. It's there's so much heritage there. I actually just wore a pair of Walsh's to the office uh, for a meeting that we were discussing. Uh, <laughs> we we're discussing the sport and, and what we want to innovate on, and um, it's it's something that we're really looking into as uh, the next playground and next place for us to really uh, advance. So actually just shared emails with Ricky Lightfoot. Um, we've shared emails <laughs> a little bit about, uh, fell running and some other really great fell runners I've been in touch with. So yeah, it's, it's, it's on our radar. Uh, we're not sure timing yet, but I would say expect, expect another really great fell running product in the next couple of years.
2: Sounds great. I'm sure that the Salomon fans in this country will be uh, happy to see it. And of course, you mentioned places like Zayama, where a lot of grip is needed, right, for, for the majority of the mere mortal um, runners that take part in an event like that. <laughs> I don't know if you can talk to us a little bit more about some of the, what I would call deep innovation as well, Mike, which is uh, going on at Salomon, because I know that very recently that the Index Zero 01 was not launched, but it was um, It was obviously Talked about and heavily on social media, which is this really super interesting product that will can be recycled. I think that that's super interesting. It definitely grabbed a lot of attention from those people who have consciousness of footprints that brands make and um, in the world. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about the Index Zero One, if you can, and how that kind of came about within the discussions and the development at Salomon.
1: So uh, Solomon has a, a bigger program called the play minded program, which is our, um, our statement on sustainability and um, social um, socially conscious issues, uh, whether that's um, environment, athletes, uh, production, solar power, um, play well et cetera. So we're really, um, really making it a, a priority uh, actually starting uh, last season to, to take, to keep that in mind when producing footwear. So, um the index 01 actually came about from a colleague of mine brent um, who's the road he's the road running version of me um and he you know, he made a claim that he wants you know he wants Solomon to be um, you know one of the most sustainable running brands in the industry and uh luckily we had a really great um materials team investigating you know what' what's the future of running, what's the future of sustainability recyclability, et cetera. And I think it was, you know, it was, it was Brent's vision. It was the brand's vision. And then also materials finding the right material at the right time where we're like, Oh, you know, we, we could do something, we could do something here. We could actually, like this is, this is it. We have, we have the materials that could be uh, recycled. And then, you know, lo and behold, we also make ski boots and we have the ability to, uh, to basically grind plastic down you know, here in NC and, and create pellets that ultimately create uh ski boots. So. Uh, it was just a lot of the right things came together, and it was just really driven with with Solomon's statement on you know we want to continue to innovate, but really look at sustainability because it's it's not about today, it's about it's about tomorrow, and yeah, basically coming up with the the the, the right um, the right uh, components to create a shoe that could be not only a performance shoe but also recycled into ski boots, and we're really really stoked on that, really proud of that, and. I can tell you that it will continue to be a part of our footwear innovation cycle going forward. So, having products that are fully recyclable or uh, using um, very high level, high content of recycled materials. I think it's
2: a great move from a sustainability point of view. Often in these situations, you know, brands, companies in whichever industry, this they produce things that that won't necessarily be the biggest seller for the brand, right? But in terms of a beacon. And an intention and a statement of intention, something like this is pretty important.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's um, you know, especially you know, everyone in that building and you know, the trail running world, the ski world, we're all very conscious of, of some of the environmental issues that are happening right now. And and you know, we all at this point have really decided. I, I can pro- I could say all of us in that office have really decided that we we know that we need to protect and and think about the future more. And it, it starts, you know, it starts with us. It starts with us making the, the products that people are going to go use. And and we have a really great platform for it. Uh, you know, if we can, if we can fight for these little changes in, in the industry, it's, I mean, it's a team effort. And if, you know, we can inspire the brands and we can get you know everyone on board, it's, it's going to be a win for all of us. It's like you said, it's not, maybe not about selling the most shoes or outselling competitor X or Y. It's about everyone collectively coming together to, uh, to to change the industry so yeah we're really excited for it and uh, i'm super excited to, to start to take on projects like that myself uh, for the future and yeah i would say listeners um either it's from salomon or another brand you know look out for uh, these types of products in the future
2: yeah and for anyone looking for a little bit more information you can head on to the obviously salomon.com website under index 01 and hashtag Playminded for all of the uh sustainability Um, drives that Salomon and the Salomon brand are putting out there, which is great to see. I guess, casting forward, Mike, um, how do you see the running industry developing over the next few years? New sectors, technology, practices, and how people travel about the globe and engage in those practices. If you had a crystal ball, how would you see the running industry and the running world in the next sort of three to five years?
1: Yeah, that's that's the the billion dollar question right now. Um, you know, it's you know, COVID really put everything to a halt globally um, in regards to you know people traveling, race participation, uh, even people being able to leave their houses. You know, it's it's really quite remarkable how this has had an impact on just yeah what we what we love to do. I would say you know, in my world in trail running right now, I would say. You know, we expect it to grow. We expect trail running to continue to grow with people's reconnection to the outdoors, mm-hmm. um, maybe races will decline or race participant participation declines. But I think we it, we're safe to, to think that, um, participation is going to increase and, and in road running as well. I think the organized races may, may change, or at least in the next couple years may change. Um, but you know, like we were talking about sustainability, I think that's going to be also a huge, huge factor too. And in people's buying decisions, other uh, types of products they're looking for, uh, maybe they don't hop on a flight because maybe there's still a pandemic or maybe they're thinking more about the, the carbon footprint that a, that a flight leaves. Um, I, you know, it's, it's a really, really interesting time. And yeah, I, you know, I, I go back and forth on, on what I think will happen. You know, I, you know, today I thought there'd be a vaccine and then I thought there wouldn't be a vaccine. And, um, but I do know, you know, from a product standpoint that, you know, technology, innovation is going to be really important. Uh, Nike totally changed the game with that. Adidas, Saucony, they all followed suit. And uh, we're just going to see the importance of of technology and shoes and, and that message to the consumer on the product side.
2: Yeah, interesting. And um, looking at something like, I know we touched on earlier on the Alphafly. Have uh, Salomon got anything in that respect? I know some shoes are going, well, a lot of the brands at the moment are going, Big on the uh, midsole,
1: right? Yes. Yeah. AlphaFly Super is super interesting. Um, yeah, because of the stack height, it's it's really high stack, and then they, you know, you have the carbon play in there. And now AirPods. Um, yeah, Solomon. We're, you know, we're looking at all those things. Um, I think a lot. I think every company is, but yeah, what you know, what parts of those and and how we see that—that's I really can't talk about that. But yeah, it's it's really interesting, and it'll be really interesting to see. How these products develop and how these world records continue to to fall to in, in these products it's it's remarkable.
2: Yeah, it's on your radar. Let's say that for sure. Mike, we're going to finish off with some quick fires. Cool. Hopefully, you uh, you're ready for these. What do you see as the greatest achievement at Salomon today?
1: I would say, yeah, I was really fortunate to be a part of uh, the team that helped roll out the how to trail run workshops around the world, and in North America, it was one of my first projects was to implement those and. I would say implementing how to trail run um, in the United States was, it was, it was just remarkable. And and not, not because of, you know, say the stats of how many people we came and the conversion and all that, but just how many people's lives uh, were changed just from learning how to trail run and uh, how many people have stayed in touch with me to talk about how trail running's changed their life, their life. And, and I would say, yeah, just being a part of teaching so many people how to trail run and introducing the sport to, to so many people. It's just, it's still something I get goosebumps from. And, and I, I'm really, really proud of that.
2: That was an amazing um, initiative. I must admit the how to trail run workshops and we've still got them going on. Obviously they're, they're growing um, if anything, or they certainly were before COVID and I'm sure they will come back um, double quick next year when we're allowed to, but uh, kudos to you for <laughs> coming up with that idea. Cause they are excellent. Where would you see yourself in five years time, Mike?
1: I, apart from running, running Salomon. <laughs> it's um geez, you know, I I I think I'll, I'll still be uh still be with Solomon in footwear or, or brand marketing. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely what I love to do. It's it's my passion. Um hopefully running a ton of trails, hopefully if um yeah, I've run all the, the races on my on my dream checklist or at least you know five years worth of them. But yeah, I think just um being in the trail running industry in a position where I can inspire people or give people the toys and the tools to to play and, and live their best life.
2: That's nice. That's uh, something I think we'd all like to try and achieve. Um, and good luck to you on that. And finally, tell us something about Mike
1: Ambrose that people would not know. Oh, man. Ah, geez, that people would not know. I guess a lot of your listeners don't know me. But um, you know, I would say it's funny, you know, I, I'm i this trail running product guy at Solomon. And um, Pretty much run in the mountains every day, and the mountains are such a, a guiding, um, a, a guiding, guiding light in my life. But it's something that came so late for me. So I mean, I'm 32 now, but I didn't see a mountain in person until I was like 20 or 21 years old. Right, and it's something that I came it came really pretty late. Like I was a, a ball sports player. You know, I played baseball, American football, basketball, ice hockey, and um, you know, I, I've done a lot of things in the mountains that. It, I think you're pretty cool. And it, it's not like, it isn't something I, I grew up doing or, um, you know, first time I went camping, I was like 20 years old or something, uh, maybe 21. So yeah, it's something that has come really late in life, but it's been, it's been a, a guiding path for me. And I think it's cool because, you know, you're never, you're never too late to learn something or to, to find your passion or, um, yeah, have really great experiences in life. So yeah, it's all, it's pretty crazy to think that, um, I'm an hour from Chamonix and yeah, I didn't even know what the Mont Blanc was probably until I was like 24 or 25 years old. So,
2: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm sure that you uh, lived life to the full in in the U.S. as well, but uh, just in a different way. Let's put it that way, Mike. So that, I suppose the good thing is that now you've discovered the mountains and trails, um, you're going to make up the lost time. For sure. Mike, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that people can take away from this. But certainly, I think the key takeaway for me is that the running industry in trail, certainly, and from a Salomon perspective, has a bright future. And it's great that people like yourself are making headway into the future of trail running products. And I'm so looking forward to seeing what you've got up your sleeve over the next two or three years. Thanks ever so much for joining us. And um, thanks for your time.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. And, and thanks for all the kind words.
0: Well, a big, big thanks once again to Mike Ambrose for allowing us to gain a little insight into the nerve center of Salomon footwear and give us an understanding of what it's like heading up trail footwear at one of the world's biggest outdoor brands. As ever, I'd be really grateful for any feedback on how you think we can improve the show. And as I always say, if you like what you've heard and to get our latest shows as they are released, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're now on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and a whole load of other providers. And you can follow us on social media at Run Industry and via our website, runningindustrypodcast.com. So keep tuning in over the coming weeks as we've got some great guests from the industry, organizations, and running brands, as well as one or two famous faces from the running world who we can't wait to talk to. Matt Ward and the Running Industry Podcast is an amplified production. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.